0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Add Nerdium to the point of nerdness. Uh, it's Will today here as the host, uh, and with me today I have a professor from Washington College and a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Sean Ramsey. How are you feeling today?
1: Pretty good. Hello, everybody.
0: So, today, we have a heavy, but I think worth talking about topic, uh, and we're going to be basically looking at the relationship between a piece of art and the person who created it, and figuring out if that person uh, were to commit uh, any heinous acts or uh, have some unsavory views, can we separate what they made before with what they are currently putting forth and uh i thought uh dr ramsey would be great to bring on for that kind of just diving into it we'll start off with the simple basic question that's at the root of this when a piece of art is made is it possible to fully separate it from that
1: artist that's a really good question i think the answer is probably different for all of us i think for me the answer is not completely and and that you know when you see when you see a piece of art there is your connection with the art and and that connection grows and changes over time and and i think i think that's important and it's possible when we say art here this could mean you know a painting this could mean a movie even uh, a writing it could be anything right um and I, and i think as you experience art it's possible that you have no idea who the artist is or or what their history is. And, and that's fine. And your relationship with that art could grow and change and things like that. But for me, you know, I if if I'm really engaged with a piece of art, then I probably want to learn kind of like who made it, right? Like I want to learn what else have they done? Is there more good stuff out there? Um, and we live in an information-rich age, right? I'm a computer scientist. Um, and data is just everywhere. So... Um, my inclination is to go and find more, right? So for me, I would say not completely, right? Because I, I want to do this background research to see if there's more and discover more and see if there's other stuff I want to engage with. And that sometimes reveals some things that are not so nice. When you do that kind of like background research, if you find something like
0: that is not so nice, does it change how you view the original work? Or do you more see it as a, oh, wow, that's not good, but at least I was able to enjoy this piece of art for that moment before I knew
1: this. I mean, I I think there is a reckoning that happens. You know, there there is this period where you're coming to terms that the artist was a human, but, but you got to remember, people aren't just the one bad thing that they've done as well, right? So humans are three-dimensional, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to defend any any of the the horrible things that, that different artists have done but I would say for me there's this moment of reckoning where I have to say like um, if this artist is still alive for example is it somebody that I want to give money to uh, to continue producing art knowing these other facts and, and facts are also a weird thing right because in an information age there's also misinformation um, which which is true no matter what you're talking about so my answer would be, that yes it does change my relationship with the art a bit um it's kind of hard not to but there's also you know you know my interaction with whatever the art piece is has already grown and has its own like entity and and while it's hard to reconcile like hey i really love this this piece of art with hey this artist was you know not so great a person in one way or another it takes some reckoning and and i wouldn't say that I always just kind of like throw out all of that artwork or disengage with all of that artwork personally. Um, some people do, and that's okay too. I don't, I don't begrudge that attitude. And, you, you know, as I come around to this topic, which is something that I fought with for a while because of some of who my favorite artists were when I was growing up, but before I did any of this kind of background research sort of thing, you know, my initial thoughts were, well, I can't read that or I can't, I can't watch that. That person is awful. Um, I kind of come around to my relationship with the art is its own thing. Um, and the artists, I, I don't want them to profit off of, you know, horrible things that they've done, but the art kind of stands alone without them at this point in time. Um, now, for me, most of that reconciliation happened with artists who are long gone. And so it becomes harder when the artist is still alive and perhaps still producing things.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it kind of pulls into like the most prominent real world example we could probably give at the moment, which is um, having to do with uh, JK Rowling and the Harry Potter wizarding world. That situation kind of pulls into something that I've tried to uh, figure out throughout uh, all of this reckoning and all of this like discussion about it um, is how to if if it's possible to still enjoy the work uh, and be like oh yeah no I like this book without also saying the fact that that I want to see more of it if that makes sense like if I like something I want another thing to come out to continue that story and explore different characters in that world or the same characters but if at that same point, extending that story and continuing it with that same author or even in that same world benefits someone, uh, encourages someone to keep doing what they're doing in a different sense, not tied to the work, it doesn't feel fully correct. It, do- it, doesn't, feel li- it doesn't feel like it's something that is helping the situation, but also it's not inherently hurting it either your're I mean buying a Harry Potter book won't say that you completely agree with everything that JK Rowling says ever. It means that you like this one piece of art that they that they've created but the fan base and the love of every new thing or most things that come out of this wizarding world have really been, tied up with almost activism in terms of how active JK has been both into the social discourse about things that most people did not engage with her with and also um, the continuation of things about her own world which she continues to add stuff or uh, retcon for different reasons Um, and I think JK is probably the one prime example of a of having that problem with a current living artist.
1: Yeah, and I mean she's rather prolific, right? So you you had this and also a lot of her views I feel like didn't come to light until several years after, you know, she'd already become rich and famous, which which probably isn't that uncommon to be honest. You know, you mm-hmm. you learn that these these artists explode, become viral and then and then you learn some of their views and who they might be as other people, right? And and I think part of like learning about their views can also help you um, educate yourself and others about about what that means. Um, look for it in the book. Um, if 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 the book doesn't have this basic slant to it, and and I and I didn't go back and reread Harry Potter after I found out some of this stuff about her. Um, it was hard enough for me to get through the first time, but if you look back through and and reread them, like, does she have this this bent that's just kind of forced into the whole series throughout? And I think the answer is no for her, um, which 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 is good. Um, and her views probably compared to some of the awful views of some some other authors, um, they're more subtle, and you have to kind of go looking for them, which. I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, I'd be curious to know if someone did do a full reread, like, is does she slip in a lot of these, any of these jibes? Um, but I, I think that is another interesting thing, right? Like, if you if you buy a Harry Potter book, are you, are you then inherently pushing money into some situation that you might not want? You know what? Another example might be, um, and this is not really art, but it comes up, Kind of in the same vent, which is um, Chick Fil A, right? Like Chick Fil A has had the same thing. <laughs> like, like Chick Fil A is so good; it might be my favorite fast food to eat. But you know, they push a lot of money into some areas that I might not agree with, um, and they have had their moments in 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 a fight that I disagree with. So, do I just not buy food from them because I know that that money? you know, some fraction of the $5 I pay for that chicken sandwich is is supporting something that I don't want to support. I think that's a hard question. And I think everybody has to come around to their answer separately. But um, for me, it means I need to stay aware. And, you know, if I do go eat there, why why not balance those pennies that I might be tossing into these pockets with a donation somewhere else? Um, and, and I think that's part of how I, you know, I keep my, my, it's like a carbon footprint, right? Like it's my goodwill footprint or my karma footprint. That's how I I, I would justify something. Like it. if I know that there's this situation going on and I inadvertently or even on purpose dump money into the wrong situation, um, then I can always counterbalance that. Um, and you have to figure that it's, it's not the five dollars that you spent on that book. I guess books aren't five bucks anymore, but It's not the five dollars you spent on that sandwich or or the eight dollars you spent on that book that's really where all this money is coming from it has to happen over millions and millions of people and so your contribution is really pennies and so you can counterbalance that pretty easy you know um donate 10 bucks to whatever organization counterbalances that and then you're in in the in the black as far as your karma meter goes now that isn't the, the answer for everybody. Some some folks are, are gonna want to boycott and I support that too. I think I think both approaches help and work. I, I
0: hadn't really thought of the idea of counterbalancing and that it feels like acknowledging the problem and also saying, Yes, I'm going to make sure that I'm not leaving it at a negative. I'm gonna make sure that it's at least I'm at least making sure it's a net zero. For what is going on in terms of that, like, funding for a specific worldview. But the one area I wonder where it gets a little hazy is it's very easy to tie J.K. Rowling to uh, Harry Potter, the books. But what becomes a little hazier is when that the person might have been like an integral role, but not the entirety of the work. I'm thinking uh, of movies produced by Harvey Weinstein. Do you like? Do you do you shun everyone else who worked on that movie because this other person was attached? It's not as clear cut. I'm getting to basically um,
1: right, right, right. I I mean I would agree with that. You know the there's the there there are a lot of different people making money. You know having done graphics as my phd i have a lot of friends who ended up going into fx for different movies um so if if one of those movies ended up having a producer that you disagree with like disney for example maybe i don't know you know by boycotting say disney like hey i'm not gonna go to shrek 27 or whatever (laughs) in the movie theater not that any of us are doing that right now but if 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 you did that then you would inadvertently be also taking money out of his pocket, right? Because he's getting some small cut of every time you go to one of those movies. Um, so it is, a, it is a multifaceted problem and there are a lot more people involved, especially when you talk about movies. It's a little easier to conquer this situation when you're talking about a book or when you're talking about um, a piece of art. Although as far as books go, unless it's self-published, it probably has a process that it goes through. You have an editor and a publisher, um, and those people wouldn't necessarily be blameless in releasing this stuff either, um, because maybe the editor, maybe, because they're kind of just doing their job, but the publisher certainly has the ability to control what they're willing to allow on the shelves or not. If the the piece of work itself is problematic right I guess is what I'm getting at then mm-hmm. then there's an issue but you know what if what if Cosby was the executive producer on some movie um, you watch the movie you didn't really pay attention to the credits because I mean who who does all the time right you, you click you turn on Netflix and, and you watch some new piece of garbage on Netflix just to see what happens and um, you really like it and then you watch it again and you're like you know what who's who's involved in with with this and you and you realize you know there are some problematic folks uh, um what then right um do we just say all right well i'm not gonna watch this anymore or i'm not gonna actually buy the media for it because this one person is involved and i think that's something that that is fair like people are allowed to do that um but there is a bigger ecosystem right there's more folks involved in the movie there's more actors involved in the movie um i guess what's like what's painful is you know if you grew up watching the Cosby show which i'm sure you did not um but i think i'm probably about the right age for that then you may you may have fallen in love with with that cast of characters uh and Cosby himself or whatever um and you have to deal with the reconciliation of, of all of these things that we have learned, right? You you have to, you have to figure out what's right for you. Is it is it right for you to be like, all right, you know what? He was an awful person, and because of that, I need to kind of boycott his his media, um, and I'm going to stay aware of that. And that's an option, but I I don't know that it's the healthiest option. Um, I think, I think becoming aware, educating yourself, you know um, on, on what's going on is, is good. But, but then, you know, we, this, most of this media is not media that's, that's really meant to be, it's not, it's not, it's not really meant to be timeless in the sense that it's meant to exist for all time and be the piece of art. Now, maybe some art that you love does, you know, maybe you've been studying Van Gogh, um, or Godot, and, and and maybe, Maybe you learn something about some of them, and that art has kind of become timeless to us. Um, well, that person's not benefiting from, you know, a magnet that you buy in the museum store <laughs> that has their art on it. So maybe that's fine. Um, so I think I think really the, the more problematic situation is probably in folks that are still alive. And then I think everybody has to make their own decision. Uh, once they become aware. Yeah,
0: um, I also think one thing that's been happening a lot recently with the new HBO series that's inspired by Lovecraftian horror and like is pulls very directly from a lot of Lovecraft stories is they seem to be actively going against the idea of what a lot the problematic things he stood for. In the creation of this new work, uh, like he was very well known to be, very pretty racist. He named his cat the
1: N word, I believe. Yeah, I've heard that story as well. But there's so much, so many more problems with Lovecraft than than just his cat's name. Um, exactly. But yeah, that exactly. is that um, is the beginning for sure.
0: Uh, he had an entire poem about the creation of the N word, but. In this new creation, uh, using some of his stories, they f- intentionally had a diverse and mainly black cast to be like, we're going to take the good parts of this and actively work against the bad parts. Basically creating it so that if you still loved Lovecraft and our work does not offend your prior loving in any way, this is a guiltless way to do it. To go through it, you can still enjoy the terror of knowing that there's a cosmic being that sees you as a speck, but you don't have to uh, inadvertently feel the wash of uh, racism in it.
1: I yeah, I really like that. You know, I, I think it's called Lovecraft Country. I really love that. Mm-hmm. It. It's a predominantly black cast and and kind of something that Lovecraft would probably hate to watch right <laughs> so the Lovecraft himself so so it's interesting because you know I grew up reading about Cthulhu and loving octopuses octopi octopodes whichever one you prefer um and it wasn't until I was probably geez in my in my 20s maybe my 30s I'm an old man now um, that I learned about Lovecraft's background because it was easy to have access to his entire library that was cleansed of, say, some anti-Semitic poems or racist poems in general. Um, it, was, it was easy to get your hands on all of that without seeing directly um, the man behind the writing, in a sense. Now, there are some of his short stories that might hint at it um, a little more obviously than others, and I guess when I was reading those as a as a young kid, because um, I grew up reading King and Lovecraft, Stephen King and, and Lovecraft, and I guess when I was reading those as a young kid, um, I just kind of thought, well, he was just putting a fantastical bent on this character. And it wasn't, like, it didn't hit me that there was underlying racism or whatever. Um, and I think what we're starting to see now is is people accepting this fact that, you know, Hey, let's let's state it up front that that he was he was not this great person all around, but he built a world that was interesting, and that you can tell interesting stories related to kind of the unknown. Um, you know, there's this RPGs are another big big topic of mine, and there and there is this RPG called Fate. Um, and they released a version called Bait of Cthulhu, and it's interesting. So that was released by Evil Hat, um, and I think Fred Hicks wrote the foreword. and And he says something at the beginning of that, which which is something like, "Hey, guess what? We know Lovecraft was was awful, so let's just get it out there. He's he's an awful person. Um, if you want to read some work by some writers that weren't awful that were inspired by Lovecraft, here's some." And so I like this idea that we can acknowledge the problems with the person, um, love, love the literature anyway, um, and point you to like these other pieces of art that don't have these problems. Maybe, maybe they were written by non-white, especially like non-white authors, or maybe they were just written with a, a more loving vent for the rest of society that had nothing to do with um, Lovecraft's racism. And, and sometimes Lovecraft's overt and racism helped other authors see see that it was a problem and actually diminished their racism in an, in an indirect way. I was reading one article, um, and, and I don't know where it was, but the article made an argument that Lovecraft's racism led... Um, Robert E. Howard, to be less of a racist, <laughs> which is interesting. he's he's the author of like the Conan stuff. Um, okay. So I don't know that we're gonna see the end of that. and and I think you can only really get there so many years after. you know, so Lovecraft stories have fallen out of copyright, so it is easy fodder for us to change and to own it for ourselves and to turn it into to something different. And I think it would be much harder. To say write a write a Harry Potter series book because you're still gonna have to put money in Rowling's pocket, right? Because you're I mean, part of her world, and she's
0: also like this is specific to Rowling, but she's also made sure anything having to do with anything that she created, she has full final control say of. Uh, like when the Universal Park was being made, that was based off of uh, Harry Potter she had final say over what the butterbeer was like and all the minute details all over the park. And it's hard. This is one of the reasons that J.K. Rowling actually really pushes the envelope on this issue because it's hard to say that once the art is out in the world, then the artist has nothing to do with it, when very much so she continues to have something to do with it. But back to your point about... um, Just coming forth at the start and being like, yes, this person was awful, but we can still enjoy something they created. Um, I think that actually ties really well into the initiative that Washington College just put in. uh, The the Asterisk Asterisk Initiative, I believe it's called, where all over our campus, people who who did things in their life which are now seen as problematic we fully display that on anything that is bearing their name or showing their image, we recognize, yes, this person did do awful things, and that's not what we are memorializing here. We are memorializing the good while also recognizing the bad.
1: Oh, that's that's interesting. So um, I guess I haven't seen this. So, for example, <laughs> if you were looking at a statue of George Washington, it would say something about about memorializing him as a person but not necessarily everything he's done like as a as a plate on the statue um i believe the
0: one thing i've definitely i've seen fully is on the backside of the george head the one that you come right out of the d hall towards there is a plate that has a huge asterisk on it that says uh george washington was an owner of slaves and like goes into that and says yes he did do these things and we do think they are wrong there is an asterisk here
1: that's super interesting there there is this you know if, if we're thinking about art i guess statues are a kind of art we we memorialize lots of things across the country you know we have statues of, of columbus and robert e lee and and all kinds of things um statues everywhere <laughs> and at some level most of most people are flawed for something or another um, exactly and i guess I guess there comes a point where and and this is the level that's different for everybody, and I think this is the thing that we're really struggling with right there There comes a point in which their the sum of their bad deeds is is so extreme that you want to cut ties with them um, and there are some. Some obvious, perhaps, easy names that we could throw out there where you would say, okay, like, seriously, you, you killed six million people, uh, inadvertently or directly, or you were in control of it. We don't want a statue of you, ever, right? <laughs> there's no asterisk that's going to, like, fix the fact that this happened. The asterisk
0: would be the, my, the grand minority of good things, if any.
1: Right, well, I mean, there's an entire museum of asterisks dedicated to that person but like then it becomes well what's the line like what's what's right you know was it hey this person was a confederate soldier or general or whatever is is that the line um or because because that means they were an inherent racist at some level or another right they were they were fighting for for slavery or or what is the line you know this 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 author is now is now dead does it mean we should should cut him out of all of our art and i think i think the answer is is no ultimately but i think i think there probably is when you're memorializing something i think it is important to try to tell the whole story and i and i think that perhaps is a difference right it's a difference between you know i made this art schindler's list which tells this story or i made this museum dedicated to the holocaust which which might have some nazi memorabilia or images of hitler in it um and they're certainly not memorializing him they are telling the story um of of what's happened just like schindler's list was telling a story of what happened
0: and 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 even less like biographical things like the recent movie jojo rabbit which works to Cut off and basically cut down the image of this person.
1: Uh, I haven't seen that one, Um, but but that's good, right? So the question is, a lot of our—I mean, this is a problem for America in specific. You know, a lot of our founding fathers were problematic. Most of them were were slave owners. They had issues, right? (laughs) This is the world they grew up in but there were dissenting voices there there were people against slavery even as our nation was being created Uh, and and we like to say well you can't judge them based on the morals of their time and, and kind of just sweep that under the rug but is that okay you know um and so i like this idea of putting an asterisk like look um maybe they weren't perfect in all three dimensions of their character maybe maybe they had some flaws Let's acknowledge them, and and that way we can both bring this this issue, this topic, to the forefront, and we can also um, still memorialize the good parts of, of this person, which, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, because forgetting the bad that they did is very, still bad, but forgetting the good as well could also be
1: harmful. Yeah, I agree with that. What about so so? I mean, it seems like you and I, in particular, are are not huge cancel culture sort of fans. Um, it seems like we would rather kind of grow from from this work, you know, like Lovecraft Country, and still be an awesome piece of work. Um, and it can might even celebrate Black lives, even while it's built on the art of of a racist, right? And I think I think that's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. Um, and but but what about what about cancel culture? Can we can we perhaps talk about that just a little bit? What do you think? Like, is is it um, is that okay? Like, do you do you think that people should should kind of say like, look, this author had this issue, so things related to this author, you know, hundred years later, I. I just can't get on board with it. What do you think about that? I, I, I'm I of the same opinion
0: generally, but I think there's, like, with everything, there's an exception where if someone were to bring it up, you'd be like, yes, no, we probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. Like, no one should be, like, teaching mind-confident schools or something like that. Like, no, that's a pretty hard line. But the idea that people during their time... The, the one part about cancel culture that really confuses me or at least I don't agree with is the cancellation of people currently who said things that were unsavory in their past but have since acknowledged that was bad and grown from it. That to me does not seem like the appropriate response because you're at that point it feels like you are penalizing growth like that person was supposed to have come out of the womb with the correct views for 20 years down the line. Now, it doesn't excuse what they said, but it still doesn't feel right to be like, I know you grew, but also I hate prior you, so I'm not going to do that.
1: <laughs> I mean, people should be given a chance to grow. And and it's possible, you know, that that in some of this learning that they could even become an agent for good for whatever that cause is. You know, maybe... Maybe maybe Rowling one day will will see the light and say, you know what, I, I said a lot of things that were kind of meh and uh and, and I now see why why they were problematic, you know, and um and in response I'm gonna donate, you know, a million dollars to this cause and um I wanna show everybody that I actually have changed. I, I, think, I think it has to be more than words, though, Will. I think, you know, if somebody is like, hey, I said these things. Um, hey, and now I'm saying these other things. And I didn't really mean the first things that I said. Um, and then tries to erase them from the internet. Um, I think that's a problem. And so, and, and I don't know where the situation is with this particular author. But there was one author who wrote a blog post that, that I didn't agree with. That was kind of sketchy on the whole lgbtq spectrum um not kind of sketchy it was bad and you know he he came under some fire for this um and i went back and looked for it and it's just gone and so you have to like refer to other reference pages which happen to capture it and and it isn't like he's made an apology for it he just tried to erase his words um because was on his blog and like you have to do more than that you have to be like look i get why what i said was problematic but the issue here is that they don't think it's problematic and and so that that wasn't enough for me um even though this author actually is pretty darn good and i don't really have a problem with with their fiction as far as i've seen although i haven't read all of their stuff but at the same time that viewpoint is 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 an issue Um, and it has led to me not actually owning any of their work um now, I've read some of their work because some other friends own it but I haven't actually gone out and bought it myself and I, and I don't want to out anybody unless unless you want to do that <laughs> but we could we could point at some of them that are less less obvious than others um, yeah I think there's a
0: definite difference between removal and repentance repentance is one thing saying like hey I did say this a while a while ago and I realized that I was wrong, and I retract that statement. And more than retract, I apologize for it. And there's the a difference between that and just deleting the thing because, oop, guess I spoke too much. Though I don't think I was completely wrong. People just didn't react to it well. Like that. There's a huge difference between those two. Any uh, any final thoughts as we start to as we start to wrap up?
1: Um, I guess my biggest final thoughts would be: remember, people are three dimensional. Um, they can have some some bad sides that maybe they they hide from the world forever um and you'd never know and and that's okay and that your relationship to art is allowed to evolve um with the art and with your knowledge of the artist and that's okay i don't i don't i think that's all fine so you don't have to feel guilty for say you know loving paul of cthulhu from Lovecraft. Um, but it does make sense to put that asterisk on there, like, hey, you know, Lovecraft was had some awful viewpoints. Maybe he wasn't even an awful person, I don't know. But he certainly had some awful viewpoints that existed. Um, and and your relationship with that art is is can still be okay, it can still be ongoing. You know, you can acknowledge the bad while enjoying the good. And I think that's an excellent excellent thought to, to leave on.
0: Yeah, I definitely wanna restate your point of no one has to tell you what you can or cannot do in terms of these situations it's a personal journey for all of us and i think that's important to remember so uh thank you all for listening to another episode of ad nerdium uh do you have anything to plug dr ramsey oh i don't have
1: anything to plug
0: uh if you are a washington college student listening uh his classes are awesome and they're very engaging and uh, some of them very thought-provoking. But for us here at Adnerdium, you can follow us at our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at Adnerdium. And if you have any questions, uh, comments, or possible topics you want us to cover, uh, you can email us at adnerdiumpod at gmail.com. I'm Will. And I'm Dr. Ramsey. Signing off. Uh, live long and prosper.